Marvel Champions and Arkham, and I've, after playing Lord of the Rings, the co game, I've discovered I actually really fucking hate deck construction, because it feels, and I know <sighs> some people love it, they're like, oh my god, I love spending hours building a deck to then play a single game with it, and I'm like, you're a complete weirdo, that sounds like a hellscape to me, I want to spend five minutes getting a deck together and then spend hours playing the game. Player 2 Pixel Cast episode 74. I'm your host, Ken Lee, and I'm back in the chair. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since I've been the host, but also I think I, I was back a couple of episodes again uh, ago, but then I disappeared again. But now I'm back here. So you're going to get my voice, but you're also going to get, along with me, two other voices Stephen Del Prado. Ahoy, hoy. And Tim Henderson. Yeah, sorry, I'm here again. It's all, oh, yeah. For a long, it's, it's been a Tim and Ken show for a long time. It has, so. and then we had a brief Tim and Huso period, and then Huso moved out to Whoop Whoop, and then Ken had to come back to save everything. Yeah, that's right. Because um, at this point, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm pretty confident saying this is as much my baby as, your, as it is yours, Tim. Hmm. But um, the hero we deserve. Yeah, look, um, we'll just crack on. <laughs> this is um, on this episode. We'll be talking about the year that has been in 2021. Anything that's happened in gaming, in the industry, all the terribleness that might have um, that that has happened, and also anything that might be a whack. But before we get into the second half of the show where we talk about that topic, let's talk about some of the games that we've been playing over the past couple of weeks. Um, but to get us into the swing of things, Stephen, you've been talking, you've been playing Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, I have. Um, obviously, Spider-Man was one of the big swan song titles on the PS4, and... Uh, Miles Morales seemed like it was going to be a, you know, solid entry on that console as well. But of course, the PS5 launch at the tail end of 2020 meant that they needed some games to sell that bad boy. So I think they chucked Miles Morales on there um, with obviously a bump in frame rate and some resolution stuff. Uh, It's a single player, what would have, I guess, ostensibly been like a DLC expansion for Spider-Man. set in the same uh, world following the events of the first game where you take control of Miles Morales in a much smaller campaign. So um, I feel like it's probably going to end up being around 10 hours long. So although it's operating in the same Manhattan space as the main game, there's a lot less to do. It feels really tight, um, even tighter than something like Uncharted The, Lo- the Lost Legacy uh, but it's really cool so far. Miles has some interesting uh, bioelectric powers, which switch things up a little bit, so it doesn't just feel like you're repeating a lot of the same stuff from the original game. And obviously the traversal uh, is quite good. Uh, it's a great time of year to play the game as well, because it is set in New York City around Christmas time, and that is a nice place for me um, to be at that uh, point in time, since I've spent a few Christmas in New York and was also married over there in Central Park, so... I can actually visit the place that my wife and I got married in both of the Spider-Man games, which is always uh, fun. Uh, But yeah, um, I'm probably 
two-thirds of the way through it now. I'm um, just mopping up some collectible stuff before I continue on with the storyline. Um, I'd say at this point, it's probably lower for me in terms of story, uh, but that's you know not surprising given it's much smaller scope and scale than uh, the original game. Uh, performance on the PlayStation 5 is silky smooth, and uh, I honestly don't really have any complaints. I played the original game on a PS4 Pro, and I thought it was fine, but obviously that thing sounds like a jet engine taking off these days, mm-hmm. so it's nice and, to play on the PS5. And then, and have it, it. Always, it always sounded like a jet oh, yeah. engine taking off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, no, the PS5 is a great place to play that title. Um, I managed to get it on a uh, very good sale, so I know Ken will approve of that as well. Nice. And it did come with the uh, Ultimate Edition of Spider-Man, so I can go back and play the original game um, with a few tweaks and PS5 adjustments if I uh, so desire. But I still feel like it's a little bit too close to my last playthrough to uh, warrant doing that. Yeah. But... I mean, I I really... Well, can I say I really enjoyed it? No, I played the, the that first Spider-Man um, on the PS4, and I enjoyed it somewhat, but I fell off it very quickly. Um, because in my mind, there were a couple of things that didn't gel with what I like. I, I love the traversal. I love just swinging about. Um, what I wasn't a fan of in the Spider-Man game was very distinct sections where this is now the stealth part and this is now the action part. Uh, um, they've gotten rid of a lot of that in this and one of the ways they've gotten around that is that um, Miles can actually, uh, spoiler alert, turn invisible. Right. So that plays into the stealth aspect of it and actually ties uh, into combat so that you can stealth combat, mm. uh, which is great because I did not think the combat in spider-man was super great i found it especially on the high difficulty levels really fiddly like you needed to use everything in your arsenal to defeat the enemies and it really felt like you were holding your trigger buttons to go into your sub menus to change your gadgets out constantly to try to counter everything you could it could be really difficult on some of those fights you couldn't just button mash your way through like you needed to be smart and use everything at your disposal and correct and I was actually going to say that was my the second thing that didn't gel with me in that first Spider-Man because it just felt like Spider-Man I was... Spider-Man felt weak. Weak, but also I felt like I was fumbling. Like, like I couldn't control Spider-Man in the way that he needed to move, if that makes sense. So, like... Like, Spider-Man is, you know, within the fiction and the world, like, Spider-Man has superhuman powers and superhuman reflexes. Yeah, I mean, realistically, that whole combat system, when he's not against anyone who's superhuman, it should be like you're playing slow-mo. Like, they are all in slow motion, and he is just running rings around them. Yeah. Um, But, of course, that doesn't work in most game contexts. Because... You know, I'm fumbling through, like you say, like, submenus, press button, and then, like... Uh, press double trigger forward triangle to do the thing where you where you whip out your your webs and uh, then you're you making it sound like Tekken you. in an open world game. <clears throat> oh, it's just it's just so like A A B A B something and then triangle circle right trigger left trigger and it's just I had such a hard time just fumbling through 
all the different permutations of buttons in order yep. to 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 defeat like what seems like just a ragtag bunch of thugs. Yeah, and that's where like it. I think it fails where the Arkham games succeeded because Batman always felt like he had a lot of weight and power behind him. Hmm. And Spider-Man doesn't necessarily feel super quick in some of these cases. Uh, and he doesn't feel super powerful. Like you said, especially against random street thugs. Like, Spider-Man should have those guys down in two punches. Yeah. Like, he still has superhuman strength. He can kick a guy halfway across the street and that guy's going to be down for the count. And I think that they would have benefited from having a faster combat system and maybe just throwing more enemies at you like a Musou game. But instead, it's very, like, somewhat plodding and methodical. And it feels like a lot of... You're locked into how you have to counter certain enemies. So it doesn't feel very versatile. And I think one of the things that Spider-Man exemplifies as a superhero is thinking on his feet and being very adaptable. And I don't feel adaptable in that combat i feel like okay it's this enemy and i have to counter it with this move does this still apply to miles morales i'm starting to get lost in terms of uh miles morales does a few things to adjust it so his bioelectric venom powers let you do quite a uh an effective number of aoe attacks which i didn't feel like uh at least the um powers that i focused on in the original spider-man it crowd control was problematic Yep. And it made large combat encounters really difficult because you needed to be able to... Um, Spider-Man also felt really squishy. Like, he could take... Especially in, like, high difficulties, you could take a few hits and then you'd be dead. Uh, so, and it's similar in Miles Morales on the harder difficulty levels. Like, if you are not effectively dodging uh, every single uh, ranged attack from weapons and things like that, you'll probably be dead in two shots. Or even a random thug swinging a crowbar at you. Um, so it can feel a little bit hectic, especially like, you know, you would think the spider sense and everything else, as they've portrayed it in so many uh, versions of the character, is like everyone else is operating in slow motion and Spider-Man just has these preternatural senses that let him almost telegraph what anybody is doing and counter it instantaneously. And it does not come across that way in these video games. And it's probably my biggest issue with them and why I get to the point where I just scale down the difficulty because I'm not having fun in the combat. I love exploring the city. I love swinging through Manhattan. It's so much fun and I like it when Spider-Man feels like a hero. It's supposed to be a power fantasy. I shouldn't be struggling against random no-name criminals. Like, beef up the boss characters and have those be, you know, more intense conflicts but, yeah, against random thugs it just got very tedious especially like the longer uh play time of spider-man i think the shorter length of miles morales does mean that that isn't as apparent like it's a much like way less pacing issues yeah well that's good to know well that that they've sort of re- well attempted to resolve some of those things but because like i said like with that spider-man Love the traversal, love the movement, love swinging through the city. Like, those are the best parts, but I fell off really quickly. I always felt that in reviews, people loved that stuff so much that they didn't slam the combat. Hmm. And they probably should have, because it's really not up to snuff for me as a fan of Spider-Man as a character. It doesn't feel true to the character how he fights in in any of these games, really. Yeah. Are they at a yeah. weird crossroads where trying to 
be true to the comics and trying to be mechanically satisfying is just an equation that is just incredibly difficult to solve. Oh, perhaps, but also, like, the whole Arkham system is both, like, a boon and a, and a crutch. It's like, this is how you do, like, a superhero fighting combat now. Like, it was, it was great when they introduced it with Arkham Asylum. And then they've introduced it with a bunch of other superhero games, like Captain America, you know, this one. But it's less like, okay, superhero game, rhythmic, uh, rhythmic counter-based combat. Um, and then for, with Spider-Man, let's throw in, like, different ways to use his webs. But, like, the different ways that you wanted to use your webs, there's, like, 12 different ways. And, oh my, oh my goodness. There's the there's the electro web and then there's the sticky web and there's this the, the some something something other web. My, oh my goodness! It's just like no, and it's it like I think again, like I said, with the adaptability, it feels very much like similar to when you try to when you try to play the Arkham games and you would sort of think, oh, okay, you like you just mash the buttons, but no, it's very rhythmic. It's like punch, 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 dodge, counter, punch, and it's actually very slow and methodical and Mm. spider-man is that way in a sense as well so visually it looks very frantic but in terms of button inputs you have to be fairly slow and methodical and Mm. it feels at odds with itself because of that yeah but that's the thing like it's both methodical and slow but also fast because it's it's not just having just just it's not just attack attack, game i would not have assumed the combat was slow yeah but it's not it, the thing is, it's not dodge, dodge, punch. You know, it's not punch, punch, dodge, counter. It's punch, punch, dodge, jump, slide, hide, web, swing. It's like... <laughs> go invisible, go use invisible. the AoE attack, grab a gadget out, because the only thing that gets rid of those particular enemies is this gadget, or at least that's the best thing to use it for. And I'm out of that gadget, so now I've just got to zip around a little bit, and maybe I'll toss a guy in the air and kick him off the building. And yeah, it's like why Arkham worked is it was methodical, but you felt in control. You felt like okay, like you you saw the the visual cues. That's a dodge. That's a counter. That's an attack. This is my window to attack. But with Spider-Man, at least the, I, I I cannot com- comment on Miles Morales because I didn't play it. But the but the first Spider-Man, it was like punch kick zip oh it's like 14 15 different things later i'm like oh my god like i've already forgotten half of the things i've done at the start and this enemy has these three other things that they're gonna do i'm like oh my god i just it's 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 confusing and convoluted it was just too much are we recommending miles morales or not I th- I think you know I think in some ways it's definitely an improvement over the first game. It feels like Insomniac refined some of that formula, and if you liked Spider Man, you probably owe it to yourself to play Miles Morales. Like I enjoyed both games on balance, but I do not find the combat to be super rewarding. But again, there'll be people out there who say that it is very rewarding, and I'm just a noob and need to get good. Um, yeah. And to you, I say uh, I'm jealous of the amount of free time you have to dedicate to such pointless endeavors. Ouch! Well, that was a bit harsh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because for, I was going to say like I, I don't know how to segue from this into Resident Evil Village. Um, segue, Jim. That uh, doesn't work Go. either. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been playing a much well, slower game. <laughs> 
Um, I have to keep this short because, man, we spent a lot of time on Spider-Man combat. But yeah, I find, I mean, it, I'm, you know, like, like Steve was like being a tight ass and like Resident Evil Village finally hit the point where it probably worked. It was under $30 Australian for me to buy a copy and I'm like, you know what? PS5 version, that's probably worth it. Gonna bite down. Um, and the, the, the general blender, the, the blender description that you've heard is definitely true. This is Resident Evil 7 meets Resident Evil 4. Um, I played the, the demos and it's, it, I was definitely vibing off it. But the thing that prevented me from buying it is A, I'm a tight ass, and B, I have heard that the game itself is actually fairly short. Um, and I... also, I picked up Resident Evil uh, 2 Remake and Resident Evil 3 Remake for like $25 each. So I'm just going to see if I can keep writing out that pattern of these RE releases. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to not play Resident Evil 2 Remake. By all accounts, that is a fantastic game. And I cannot speak for how long this one is. I'm probably about seven hours in and I don't have a proper feel but um I could be I could be three quarters of the way through or if it actually mirrors the structure of Resident Evil 4 I maybe sorry Resident Evil 7 then I'm probably closer to halfway maybe not even um it's definitely definitely not as scary as um Resident Evil 7 was is that because of the setting do you think that like the more realistic setting of Seven amped up that uh, horror factor. Oh, realistic. I mean, re- Seven was like almost like cartoonish hillbillies, and this is like kind of cartoonish Stone Castle Europe. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I, just the like the locations themselves, like you can fairly easily like maybe you've had experience with some sort of ramshackle, rundown building and the claustrophobic um, tightness of that location. Whereas you know the openness of the village and the castles and well, I have things um, maybe. lived in London and travelled around Europe quite a bit I've never been to the American South not the deep South so um, but it is apparently by design like, like one of the main complaints that they got was that the um, 7 was too scary um, and legit like the first couple of hours of Resident Evil 7 are actually like just nerve wracking it does like loosen up once you get the hang of it um and the thing you notice here is like, sorry, Steve. I keep meaning I keep meaning to go back to it, but I do have to concur that I found the first couple of hours of that game like just so oppressively off-putting to play. It is almost too that, good at doing what it is doing. Yeah, and I eventually I I chickened out. But when you say setting, I think you're correct in the sense of just like stage design. So the first kind of block of this game kind of mirrors the idea of the first block of seven. So seven. You know, there are, there are different family members and each section of the game is kind of, at least the initial half of the game is kind of devoted to each of them and they all have their own theme for their stage and there's kind of like a hub world and like, so the first one is a father and you're kind of in this, you know, hillbilly kind of rotting wooden house. Um, and the thing with the design of that house is like, it has a lot of narrow corridors and it's, and the wood's quite frail. So you've got things like, and that guy's wearing gumboots for some reason. So you can like hear him stomping and you can literally just smash through walls. And there is like, it's just very confined. There's not actually that much space. And again, narrow corridors. So there's like nowhere to run. If you get seen, you are boned, um, by the design. So his equivalent is actually, you know, the internet's horny love child of the first half of this year. Lady Dramatic, whatever, the, like eight foot, quite curvaceous Dim- woman. Dimitrescu? Dimitrescu, I can't pronounce it. Um, 
who I'm like all on board Maybe with the internet being horny about, except for the bit where she looks a little bit zombie-like, and I'm not so sure I'm cool with that level of it. But um, she's just a whole lot less intimidating, and I don't know if that's just her design, but I expect it's probably... The castle's just massive. It's wider. There, you can you can get around her a lot more easily. She kind of walks after you with confidence, but... You know, whereas in 7, you would be in a narrow corridor, and even if you're in a different room and he could hear you, he could literally... The guy chasing you could literally just, just smash in that wall. And it felt like nowhere was safe. Here, you could feel like you could get to safety quite easily, and I'm pretty sure that was an intentional... Like a lack of power and agency on your party in hmm. the early stages. Like, it was almost amnesia. Like, you were literally being hunted. Here, there's, like, an oppressive person who shows up and you can get away pretty easily. You're being toyed with more than hunted. Yeah. Um, and obviously, things such as, um, like, a greater access to... Like, it really feels like a restrained first-person shooter in some regards. It's not like ammunition is plentiful, but there's, like, sufficient supply, so... You're not going to be sitting going. You're not going to be counting your bullets, but at the same time, you're not going to be offloading just freely anywhere. So it strikes a very good balance there of just being like a kind of like a, a moody shooter slash adventure game. Which it, that sounds super interesting because I, I feel like that's the same reason I fell off Alien Isolation during the early stages because I've heard that the latter parts of that game get very much like power fantasy and you get too overpowered, but. The earliest stage of that are just terrifying. You literally have no defense against anything. Okay. And I'm I'm very much the sort of person that hates cowering in the corner waiting for the AI to decide it's going to switch off and leave me alone for a few more minutes so I can creep through some more corridors very shakily. Yeah, well, it, Seven did definitely give you that sense of being hunted. I still think it's hilarious. Because the village in this game is really just a hub world. I mean, it's a hub world where shit can kill you, but there's effectively a whole bunch of locked doors, and as you progress through each of the areas that they lead to, you'll gather the eventual key mechanic, whatever, that you need to get like get through the next one and progress to the next theme. Um, as a, again, I, PS... Sorry, Karen, sorry again? I thought, I thought Lady... The Lady D only took up, like, a very short portion of the game. She does, she so I compared her to the father character in Seven, who is the first of, like, four, three or four characters that have their own levels. So she is kind of like that. I'm done with her. Yep. Um, oh. And that, that fight was pretty, actually pretty awesome, but again, like, not that scary. Yeah, like, that's done. And so the castle's, like, and the castle's connected to the village, so the village really is a hub world. A little bit more than a hub world, but it's kind of like a... Hard world, but as a PS5, I mean, it's clearly a cross-generational game. It looks quite sharp, but you got weird shit, like, just, like, pop-in happening sometimes. Looking at this game going, I feel like the PS5 could probably... Do a bit better probably do a, than that. do a bit better than that, but, I mean, also, it came out in the first half of this year. Um, they actually do pretty well with the trigger, triggers. You don't even really think about it, and then you're like, fucking shotgun, why the trigger... Tr-? And then you're like, oh, man, this controller is awesome. Um, that and um, the sound design, especially especially um, that three D headphone shit. That that shit works in that game. Like the if you just plug any old headset, whatever gaming or not gaming headphones that you have into that controller, get some pretty wait. pretty good spatial audio going on. Wait wait what? Oh, uh, that's yeah. Part of the PS 5s design, Ken, was Sony touting this new three D audio technology that would allow you to have like spatial audio on the crappiest of headsets and. Um, RE8 uses it, so you plug any stereo headphone set in there and it's going to sort of, I guess, 
what's the word emulate a full it's 3D just a very good go. software algorithm system. i guess but it it yeah. i mean i'm guessing if you plug in something you bought at the two dollar store it's gonna sound like shit but any halfway decent i'm just using a HyperX stereo headset and it yeah. works man it freaking works oh. like there's a point where it's like is the is like the creaking happening outside my window where i actually took my headphones off like just one of the cups off to like make sure that like something was not outside so in terms of like it doesn't really take advantage of all those teraflops but in terms of like the um features of the ps5 it's a pretty good early example like it lives up and so far it's it's just really good actually like it's not a huge shake up of seven it's a more accessible version of seven and it's just it's like they've figured out how to do this gone okay we're gonna make these third person remakes to keep those people happy Resident Evil mainline is first person now, and it's just really good. Easy recommendation, even if you have to pay a full forty dollars. Full forty for me, Resident Evil Seven was like the hereditary of the Resident Evil series. Like it's a horror film, but it's a horror film in such a different way to something like The Evil Dead or you know the more camp horror stylings that Resident Evil previously went for. So, to have, like, that sort of what I would consider a fairly, uh, I guess, not drastic, but a bit of a tonal shift. And I think it, you know, especially coming off, like, RE6, which I reviewed and was the most hilarious action-packed Resident Evil game to ever exist, um, going to RE7 did feel like, yeah, more disturbing than sort of the zombie horror stuff that they were usually doing and 7 is really really good this is but it especially those for like just the opening moments of 7 are like really really quite intense um there's a terrifying baby in this game but in general 8 is a more accessible like <laughs> I terrifying baby you have no idea man I think at the beginning of the year I think we had um, was it maybe Jess on the I can't remember was it Alana? Somebody, I, I swear somebody said this game is the most terrifying baby ever and I got there and I know exactly what she means. It's like a fucking nightmare. But overall, like, it's it's like seven, a little, it's more action, it's actually in the same way there isn't even before was actually, that's where that comparison comes from. Um, So it's more of a, like an action heavy horror game without actually being an action game with horror elements, which is where they went off the rails last time. And hopefully they won't after this because they've got a pretty decent balance now. So hopefully whatever they do going forward is going to be built around having entirely new consoles rather than just trying to like amp up the explosions. Does it tie into the overall um, series lore well so far, or does it feel like well the story? I think all the Resident Evil games are kind of ridiculous from what I've followed of them. It definitely does connect to the other games. Seven did as well more ways than were apparent at first if you got through the end of it and it kind of leads directly off from there there's a point in this game where you actually lose your hand like you straight <laughs> I, up get your hand it just gets fucking cut off and you carry it with you and then you just use like a healing potion to stick it back on again as you do oh. yeah well shrub some green herbs on that bad boy she'll be right. pretty That's much liquid green herbs yeah <laughs> well anyway let's let's move on from um shooting zombies to shooting oh I don't know I, I don't know how to describe the enemies that I'll be that I am shooting in bright memory infinite um 
I've been playing this game over the last few weeks um, in short, short bursts because that's as much time as I can get to each night um, doing a review for Player 2 um, which hopefully will be up as soon as I write it. <laughs> because I'm still formulating my thoughts. Um, I'm a very slow game reviewer. Like, it takes me a long time to sort of piece together what I want to say in my head before I put it down. Like, what is my central central thesis um, and central sort of argument and stance on the game. And also, I always feel bad when I want to say a game is good or bad. But anyway... That this is not a this is not a discussion about my my review process my gaming review process. Um, Bright Memory Infinite um, dropped on Steam and a bunch of other places. Uh, I think about a month ago, November, about a month ago, just under a month ago. And this game has been, I think, was showcased in one of those release videos. I think it was ago. maybe the first Series X game we saw. Yeah, and a lot of noise was made about the game because it was a single developer. Um, and it is. It is a single developer, and therefore it is immediately impressive by what I've experienced so far. Um, I've put a little gameplay video on my Twitter, um, at Pixel Hunt, and it plays like it's fast. Enemies are fast. You've got guns, you've got swords. You've got special attacks. All the guns have alternate fire modes. Um, your big old sword can shoot out air blasts, like waves of energy. Um, and you can do, like, rocket punches. And you can sort of juggle your enemies up into the air. And they'll be suspended while you then slash them in, like, Devil May Cry. So if this was first-person Devil May Cry, that would be a fairly accurate description of the moment-to-moment combat experience. Um, the story is crazy. I don't understand it. <laughs> and I think this is... I think this is meant to be, like, one episode of a series of episodes, because I finished the game, and I got completely confused. I'm like, wait, that's it? And one of the reasons why I feel so bad about taking so long to review this game is because the game is actually exceptionally short. The idea is that it is short, you play it, and then you will replay it multiple times on increasing difficulties. Right. Huh. Um, it's one of those games. It's one of those, like, keep challenging yourself and see how quickly you can take out enemies type of thing. And the story is absolutely bonkers. There is a black hole somewhere in China and you're fighting enemy forces who at the start of the story just seems like they are a perhaps a a rival branch of the military not necessarily enemies but maybe like some colleagues you don't like okay <laughs> but then but then you end up just slicing them in half in multiple pieces i'm like okay are we like are they the enemies and then um it doesn't explain anything and there's a general that comes out and I'm like okay who's this no explanation you just see his face he's given a name but he doesn't actually do anything throughout the entire story um but then 
time, there are time, these time bubble warps that happen, and all the enemies that you are fighting in their in their futuristic armor suddenly morph into ancient Chinese warriors cool. with like medieval era armor and swords and shields, which also shoots out rockets. <laughs> this kind of sounds amazing. I mean, it sounds incredibly it, dumb, but I think I'm on board. It very is incredibly re- dumb, but it is revengeance also- vibes. It is. It, it is. Ve- yes, revengeance is actually a very, very good like revengeance DMC. Um, like if you can imagine a game where you slice, where you slice someone up into the air and they're just sort of hanging there in midair whilst you continually slash at them with with multiple sword attacks. Like that's the type of game it is. <laughs> like I said, then you might cry. Devil May Cry, Revengeance. It's got these massive enemies that then, you know, massive bosses that um, have multiple phases, as you do in games like this type. Um, they, they all tend to be, like, ancient... I want to say, like, they're supposed to be some... The game... This, this is why I'm finding it so hard to articulate both here and like and why I'm struggling so much with the review is that the game keeps hinting at something of significance but the game takes no time to explain what that significance might be and even I thought what I thought that because I have some affinity to Chinese culture I, I thought okay maybe they're talking about something or some maybe they're um, referencing some myths that I might be familiar with but nope just nothing there. You're saying a dumb white person listening to you right now, aka me, is going to enjoy this more because he's like, yeah, man, whatever, fucking dragon just appeared in the cloud. Like some guy who just turns up and he's got like multiple faces and then and then after that turn and then you defeat the guy with the multiple faces and then he turns into a guy with four arms and then a bird and a snake in one of, in one of each of those arms and the snake then attacks you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bird also attacks you, but then you've got a shotgun that far- that shoots like that shoots like flames, but also you've got a massive rocket punch. Um, it still sounds also, amazing. It just sounds it sounds dumb in the most amazing way. It is absolutely impressive that in one it is made by one person. It's amazing that it makes absolutely no sense from moment to moment. It makes no. It's amazing that it makes no sense when the game ends because I was like five hours in. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm finally getting the hang of this. And then credits roll. I'm like, you say credits? I? Shouldn't it just be credit? Like just like a name. Oh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of like, there's a whole bunch of stuff with like translations and you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Because um, I played the game. I've I'm play, I've played the game through twice now. Uh, once with the English language and once with the Chinese language audio turned on, and they're both pretty well done. Like huh. English, the English um, language translation is actually quite on point. I mean, you know, it's it's imp- it's it's very difficult to do, you know, word for word, but you know, hmm. it's it's pretty close. And I'm yeah, I'm playing through a second time now. I'm I'm now bumped up to the th- uh, higher difficulty on my third playthrough. Um, and it's dumb. It's dumb, but it's good. <laughs> I mean, things but can it, be dumb and good. It's dumb and good. Is it Shadow also, Warrior good? Like, that was dumb and really good. 
it's different. And I think, like, I think the fact that, I don't know, I, yes, it is Shadow Warrior levels of dumb. It's probably a little bit smarter than Shadow Warrior. Huh. In that, I think it's trying to at least tie disparate parts of its own mythology together. Um, but because this game, as as it is right now, is episode one of I don't know how many, they haven't had that opportunity in you know to further sort of consolidate their mythology. But it seems to be hinting at things. Oh, the other thing is they keep throwing out random words in the way that these type of games do. Like you, I'm I'm deep into the game. This is the final. This is the final boss. Um. And then the big bad guy comes out after you kill the boss, and the big, like the big big evil, comes out and says something about the primordial flood. And I'm like, you, like you've literally wow. never mentioned this word ever in any part of the game prior to this point. So I don't understand what you're talking about. It's capitalized on the subtitles, and you're like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like blah blah blah, the primordial flood. I'm like, what? Whatever, and then man. Roll credits. Let's fight. And then, and then roll credits. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's, it's the dumbest, funnest thing. Um, it's 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 good. It's I would recommend it. I probably wouldn't recommend full price. I actually don't know how much it it's costs, like two thousand yen in Japan, so I don't think full price is actually that much to ask. I'm guessing like thirty no. bucks in Australia. Yeah, is it on and Game the, Pass? No, it's not on Game Pass. It's on Steam. It's on PS5, Xbox. It's on, yeah, it's on PS, Xbox, and Steam. It's not on Epic. It's not on Game Pass. Um, it feels like it would be perfect on Game Pass. Um, this is the type of game that would do quite well on Game Pass, I think. Short, impressive, um, a bit dumb, uh, but you won't get mad. You won't be mad at this for, for throwing a few dollars at it and just having quite a whale of a time. It does seem it is only a few dollars. Yeah. So cool. we'll um, keep an eye out on my review when it comes out. Like 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 everything I've, I've said to y'all before, it sounds rambling. Um, it like sounds like a ramblings of a, of a mad person, but that's because I'm like, I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> it's just so weird, but weird in a good way. And it's so disjointed, and so disjointed in a way that I'm like, I don't know if I can piece this together that makes sense. Um, but ultimately, no, it was good. I enjoyed it. Bright Memory Infinite. It's well, well worth your time, I think. Um, and the review will be up when I am ready. <laughs> ready. <laughs> and I think on that we'll take a break. Um, and then we'll come back and talk about the year 2021.
And we're back. We're going to be talking about the year that is 2021. Um, Delta, Omicron, the Olympics happened this year. Uh, <laughs> can, anybody, can anybody remember that? Like, that was only a few months ago. Um, lockdowns, travel bans, people sick, vaccinations, all of that jazz. And amongst that... Um, Gaming continued. News happened. And so what's, that's what we'll be talking about. Things that happened this year in the gaming industry. Games that we like. Um, news that happened. Anything and everything that is 2021 is on the table for discussion. So I might just go to uh, Stephen first. How was your 2021? What was your most amazing, most boring, most unremarkable, most exciting piece of gaming news or event or thing that happened this year. My lord. Um, I feel like 2021 has definitely felt a lot like the slightly uh, depressing sequel to 2020 in a lot of ways. Um, I guess some of the exciting things that are happening are some of the uh, industrial shakeups in gaming, and I'm really gunning for Bobby Kotick to lose his job and Activision to get um, overhauled. Because uh. mark my words, that man, that man losing his job, he is still richer than 99.9 percent of the planet. So whoopty frickin' do! But it it's not will... going to happen. This is the most depressing thing for me. Is like he he's so out of touch. It's like oh, if I cannot resolve this issue shortly, then I will step down. It's like which means he's not going anywhere. Nobody can resolve what the fuck is going on at Activision Blizzard shortly. That's him giving no, lip that. service so that he can sit back and cruise, and, the, and so long as the company's making money, then the board's going to stay by him, man. Yeah, it's it's <sighs> just a depressing situation for all of the employees who are in that environment, and I'm hoping that much like we're starting to see some job revolutions happening in places like the States who are struggling with labor shortages because people have just, I guess, had a lot of time realizing that they'd rather be broke than working a dead-end job they hate uh and i'm just dead-end like just not paying them enough like the difference between yeah, probably like, what they get uh, versus like, that is like this is not yeah. worth the effort i would rather have skip a meal a day yeah, yeah and i think that is that is like that ties into a bunch of things that's happening not just in gaming but across the broader industry like uh, just uh, society in general like questions about Late stage capitalism and what is the oh, point absolutely. of it if all we are literally doing is making these people who are obscenely wealthy even more obscenely wealthy and the wealth redistribution is not happening. We know that trickle down is a lie and it has been for 30 years now and they keep saying that it'll work but it does not because yeah. the people and who make that money have a sickness inside them. And they feel not only that they themselves have earned that money and it's not off the backs of every person under them. But they deserve that money. Otherwise, why wouldn't you just do something worthwhile with it? Yeah. Or at and least try to redistribute it in some way instead of just amassing it. Like we saw billionaires over the pandemic gain even more money than thought possible. So I think it really is starting to come to a head that we've realized that late-stage capitalism as it's going is untenable. And we're starting to see sort of the groundswell of movement around those issues which is heartening and obviously it ties into the systemic issues in game development been ongoing for a long time mm. now with the lack of uh unionized workforces i i got yep. a handy little um 
analogy coming out of my still somewhat going on although i think it's chewing through my data as well so i may delete a Pik pikmin bloom habit where a few days ago like i hit just my my life is weird like this i hit like tw twenty nine thousand steps and it always compares it to like the day before and the day after and i'm looking at this step counter going this is this is the problem with capitalism kind of like i cannot continue to grow no, it, like I can only go so far from here. This is not ten. Like I mean, I did maybe ten thousand today, which is still a lot, but it's not twenty nine thousand. You know, it's it's predicated upon never ending profits and never ending growth, mm. which anyone will tell you is unsustainable apart from diehard capitalists. Yep, and what I'm finding, I guess, heartening within this sort of situation is that. The people who are at the bottom are fi have finally, not finally, but this break, this pandemic, this like furlough from work, time off from work, and all of that stuff, sort of gi has given people an opportunity to sort of re-examine the value of their work and the value of their time. And I that think for so many of those people. They're in such a situation that what work does to them is numb them to the rest of their life to the point where they don't have the time to think about anything. Mm. You just get up and you go to work and you keep doing that to live hand to mouth week to week. And when you can't do that, then you have that break where, like you're saying, you can evaluate everything. And you think, actually, like, yeah, I've got no money, but you know what? I also don't hate every minute of my misery. Like I also existence. had enough time to think this. It's one thought here. Yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not killing myself to make that money, and the amount that I'm killing myself by is actually higher than the money that I'm earning. And yeah. yes, not going to a job means I'm broke, but it also means I'm killing myself at a much slower rate. Slightly game related is like the sick irony of, I think, Amazon in particular using. You could buy a game console if you don't join a union. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Anti union rhetoric has been rife in the US for years, and particular yeah. industries have managed to overturn it in entertainment, especially, you know, the film industry for one is heavily unionized. But obviously, uh, it's. Guess what, people? Um, if the company is telling you the union is bad, that means it's good for you. That's how <laughs> these things work. If Amazon tells you unions are bad, it means you are going to get something out of it. And it's no different to game developers. There's, you know, only so many scab workers they can bring in. And you know what you do? You beat them up on their way into the factory, and then they don't have scab workers anymore, and they literally need to come to the table and pay you a living wage. Maybe this don't beat up the scab workers, but yeah... I mean, well, you don't have I mean, to like it's... him, but don't take a baseball bat out. <laughs> but again, if we look at union disputes throughout history, it is all about equal... Well, not equalizing things, but all people want is fair working conditions. They're not asking to all suddenly be millionaires. They just want to be able to afford a house and have health care and buy food and have some semblance of a work-life balance. And it's like this idea that all these people want to do is work two hours a week and make as much yep. as the CEO. Yep, yep, absolutely. Like this idea that like, oh, people are just... Oh, you're greedy. You want to have and, those things? And, you're greedy. It's yeah. super weird the way that gets flipped around. Yeah. yeah. As well, you give... Well, 
It also ties into the problem, and I, I think this is not just endemic to America, but it seems a particularly American problem. And having done a lot of media studies, I feel it is directly connected to a lot of the media we consume. It is designed to make you feel like you are a temporarily embarrassed millionaire and you are just waiting for your ship to come in and you too are going to join the ranks of the rich at any moment and suddenly, yeah, you don't want to be taxed because guess what? Once you've got your millions of dollars, you don't want to be paying high levels of tax. That would be awful. And after all, you've earned that money. You earn that money. Elon Musk earns that money. He works hard for that money. Jeff Bezos earns that money. He works very hard for that money. We are angry tonight. Oh, no, I'm not. This is not me angry. This is just me stating what I see as pure yep. facts that are defended by weirdos on the internet who, again, in their own minds, are temporarily embarrassed millionaires and or billionaires who will become rich when their ship comes in. Maybe... So they cannot change things for anybody else because yeah. then they will be the ones worse off when they've got their millions. I should. Yeah. Well, well, no, you wouldn't because I... you still have millions. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this is the perfect sort of pivot point to talk about or another thing that's happened over 20 to 21, which is equally maybe more depressing, is this whole discussion around N- NFTs. It, I tell you what, you um, mean, Phil Spencer's found a way to make scams? himself liable, likable. Sorry, what? Um, head of oh, Xbox, he's taken he's, a, he's a, taken a, a pretty stance against them. Strong stance of like, yeah, I don't see how these things are actually. Yeah, no, but 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 you know the, this whole discussion around like um, late stage capitalism exploitation um, around uh, I'm finally this is this is the thing that will give me my break. Um, this is the thing that will bring me my millions. <laughs> if no, it's I'm a fucking pyramid scheme. It'll bring somebody their millions. <laughs> Uh, I think if, your if I, model is the trapezoid. Because there's nobody at the top. I should just there's like a few people at the top simplify it as scam then. Yeah, but, but basically like, pay an artist, just hire an artist, get some, you know, they get paid, you get individual artwork. Like, to be fair, like, I'm just going to straight up, like, I'm not entirely familiar with you know, blockchains and NFTs and that sort of thing. It's not something I follow very closely. I hear the names Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, that sort of stuff. Um, I, I've heard of the Boat Club Ape stuff. Is it the Boat Club Ape something? Um, Board Ape. Yeah, I... Yeah, Board Ape. Yeah, it's... Club. What, but... Blockchain technology does show some promise... But it is not being used to reach that promise right now. It's being used to make uh, people a lot of money from FOMO and inexperienced it's investors. Creating yeah. artificial and scarcity, basically. It's, it's You've taken the worst elements of art that was by like I, I, you know, there's a time when like this was the original painting and the. It's like the greatest um, JPEG I think I've seen all year literally had in like that old you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't shoplift, whatever. Just said you wouldn't right-click an NFT. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but all that stuff and just at, you know, all the rug pulls that's happened. Um, over- 
particularly over the last two to three months, the scams and people running off because they launch a new they launch a new NFT and everybody buys in. Well, I think for a period of time, the, the, the sort of online scams were predicated upon someone being old and unfamiliar with the internet or, you know, other things like that. And it seems really interesting to me that people getting rug pulled with cryptos are extremely online and have a lot of know-how in it's, terms of engaging with these very niche systems. Yeah, figured of, it how to get the young and the trigger happy. Hmm. Yeah. Um, to try, I guess try and turn this a little bit into a gaming podcast again, though. No, but, the, but again, it, it all mind. comes back to these people wanting to get their shot to be rich because, again, these stories get peddled. Man who invested $4,000 is now a multi-millionaire thanks to cryptocurrency. It is this, you know, they never interview the hundreds, tens or thousands of other people who lost everything when the market dips or crashes even because yeah. that's not exciting that's not news mm. and and bring it to bring it back to gaming a little bit i mean we're also starting to see games talking about use of nfts yeah, yeah um, he seems all in on it which is uh. let's be honest they it's a means to an end for them it's another way to monetize and that's all yeah. it is it's the same way oh, we've got FIFA ultimate team I think we Anyone started to these companies are unscrupulous uh, and have any scruples have not bothered to look at the amount of money that ea brings in from all of these basically gambling packages you well the thing is we started getting laws cards. um actually digging into the loot hmm. boxes so i'm guessing this is probably what they're looking at to you know it'll, it'll, they'll get like a you know it'll be a loophole for the next five years until some some laws get passed to deal with that shit and then they'll find something else hmm. yeah. That's like yeah. how they tried to say loot boxes are surprise. It's a surprise mechanic, wasn't that the quotes from one of the lawsuits that they tried to try to rationale that it isn't actually gambling? <laughs> it's 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 the equivalent of pachinko parlor, but at least there you can cash the balls out for something. Like you, EA owns everything. It's again your your ultimate team is literally worthless because EA can can your account at any point whether you mm. sell it or not. And or they can just pump the market full of cards. Now, actually, that card that was worth a lot now, well, we're just going to fiddle with the uh, percentage rates of its dropping. So it's a giant scam, and they know that eventually those loopholes are going to get closed. It's the same way the double Dutch, uh, I think, Irish sandwich of tax havens has slowly been uh, stitched up over the next couple of years, I believe. I've read something that those countries are working to close those uh, tax loopholes that giant corporations have been exploiting for years now. Man, is this a depressing, yeah. depressing use of money episode? <laughs> you know it's not right. a depressing use of money, Tim? What? Spending $30 to buy Resident Evil Village. No, that game's pretty good. Um, but I, I guess getting on that game note and trying to bring this... Yeah, which is what I'm trying to get to. Is there a, now increasingly common to the point where it's starting to look credible rumors that Sony is starting to buckle under the idea that maybe we need to step our game up there. With, um, um like a game... With like a, a game, game pass. Push- I think they're looking at, like, killing... This is this is literally all speculation right now, but I would not be surprised if something along these lines came to pass, which is they're looking to basically kill off PlayStation Now and roll something else into PlayStation Plus. We'd have, like, just different tiers. Like, one would just be regular PS Plus, the next would be kind of a game situation the next one would like give you like video streaming of all old classics and everything as well yeah. um because the what? thing i noticed sorry i, I really want to keep this game focused yeah, please, a little please. bit is that because i'm 
I'm kind of glad we're not going to do a Game of the Year episode until next year now, because I've not played that much that came out this year, and a lot of the stuff I would have played... I kind of hesitated on... Just because either I don't want to play it on a PC, or it was on Game Pass on Xbox, but it's not on PlayStation. Like, I would... I. I would predict if I had played everything on it this year, Psychonauts 2 would have a very good chance of being my game of the year. Um, but I've just kind of missed it by dint of both platform and like, oh man, I could buy it on PlayStation, but like, the cost of buying that PlayStation copy is almost as much as a Game Plus sub. Yeah, I love Game Pass, but it has taken me right back to my PS1 piracy days where you would just have a, a bundle of discs that you paid next to nothing for, so therefore, none of it has any real value yeah, yeah. to you. Mm. And that's where I'm at with Game Pass. Like, I I don't feel invested in the games because it's such a oh, small inherently not. money stretched over a long period of time. So, yeah, I'm paying 60 to $80 a year to access Game Pass, but that's maybe the cost of one to two games. And I've find myself not invested in it because there's not that you know sunk oh, cost oh yeah that whole I just well, spent a hundred bucks on this yeah. I'm going to rinse it is gone I need yeah. to get a hundred dollars out of this it's like oh well you know it's not it's not that good or it's not really grabbing me so I don't feel bad about not playing it on the other yeah, hand you but, but occasionally discover hand, stuff you wouldn't have played otherwise so it's like a oh yeah it's great for trying things that would be outside of your wheelhouse like you look at something like I'm not spending 60 bucks on that and I think those that's the sort of experience that I am enjoying out of it. But even games that I know, like Forza Horizon 5, I just feel no impetus to yeah. play it. Well, on the flip games, side... I've got games on the PlayStation 5 that I have paid money for because Sony doesn't offer this service, so I prioritize those games. Yeah. On the flip side, though, like Game Pass has also given me that the... Um, the privilege of taking off rose-tinted glasses of, like, I paid this money, therefore I feel compelled to like it. Yeah. Um, because... This game uh, blows. I'm not going to finish it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I recently... Because I, I re-signed up to Game Pass because they were doing, like, a three-month... Like, talk mm. about value of games. Like, this is even lower because... In, a, in, a, in an attempt to entice old subscribers back and new subscribers, it's like three months for a dollar on PC. Oof. Oh, yeah. yeah See, I'm now like, I'm going to have to uh, go look at that because, damn. Uh, I am on. That's like three months of PC, PC only. PC only, though. One dollar for three I months. I have an Xbox. A like, dollar for three months, so that is the best we'll rental value imaginable oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> hey, nice. Um, but and then I download The Ascent because I'm like, oh, I was really looking forward to this when it was coming out. And then I play like maybe two hours of it. I'm like, I'm actually not feeling this. You got your $2 worth, though. Feel bad about $1 worth. Yeah, but had I purchased it, I'd be like, I would feel compelled to like it because I spent my own money on it. Well, and first you'd, you'd check that EB Games receipt and see if seven <laughs> days had passed yet. <laughs> Oh, sweet, I'm still within the window. I can take it back. Well, I, I tell you what, though, like with my with my schedule this year, like two hours of gameplay will be stretched across a three week period. Damn. I get maybe like twenty minutes a day. <laughs> that living That's... that dad life. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the, that's like on the flip side. Yes, no, no the, because the game then therefore has no value you both well, you both don't feel committed to it but no, because you don't it, feel committed to it like again it's that sunk cost fallacy you to you 
if you divide up, okay, I paid three dollars for three months. Out of that three months, I spent two hours playing this game, and I've decided this game sucks. No, so it's I'm not. Out it's not three dollars for three months. It's one dollar for three months. Oh, one dollar. <laughs> okay, so so you're like I'm literally at what less than less than five cents. Less than a dollar. And can you and I guess. Uh, statistically every single person in this hobby if we look at the average age of a game of these days your time is worth more than your money yeah because you've probably got more money than you have time or at least i hope you even do if you don't have a whole lot of money you got a whole lot less time and fight for higher wages um <laughs> but yeah it's your time is at a premium especially with your um work and family and life balance situation so if a game is not giving you what you need in your very precious free time it can get in the bin Um, one of the things that, that surprises me in 2021, um, is that two years into a new console, we are still seeing, we talked about this previously a little bit, but, you know, I think it's, 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 it's worth repeating that shortages of both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, it's, it's just ridiculous. I th- my understanding is it's a compounding factor. So we've got oh, no, mater- material shortages, production shortages, shipping shortages, and it's just this perfect storm of... And a lot of people have a lot of free time. <laughs> yeah. The d- demand is high. And like, demand, demand, and then the high. demand is being, being high for so long that it's probably created it. extra demand mm-hmm. and like, just curiosity about what is this. People oh, yeah, who may not have been aware of the PlayStation 5 are hearing about it like in a just news story every week. Yeah. It would be really interesting to see if you could box up your one-year-old PlayStation 5 and still flip it for a profit before this Christmas. I bet you could. I bet you could chuck that thing up on Marketplace for like $1,200 and someone would pay it. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I think that would be a, that would be a yeah, reasonable dick move, assumption. but you wouldn't get laughed at either. Yeah. But it's just... it's. I was genuinely like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if I can get a Series X... Like nope, nope, not unless I want to, not unless I want to pay like some scalper on eBay yes, three times the cost. And the I think the thing to remember is the people who are getting them are people who've been waiting for them for like six plus months. Yep, that's how long the backlog is. And I, I, it's really telling that I don't know if you guys ever get to go. I don't much, but anytime I'm in an EB Games, at least one person asks the clerks about consoles do you guys have any xboxes do you guys have any playstation 5s and it's just such a world weary response of no like i'm so sick of answering this question no we don't have them no we're not getting them anytime and if we were you certainly wouldn't be getting one unless you've been on the waiting list for six months now yeah it's it's pretty crazy it's just i mean i i I understand the conditions that created the situation the situation is still pretty nuts hmm it's like just a perfect storm. And I imagine that... I have to imagine that Sony and Microsoft are devastated that they cannot take advantage of this because... Oh, yeah. You can imagine what their sales would... Be. Like, Sony's at, what, nearly 15 million with it's a global shortage of these consoles that's outside... Outpacing the, the PS4, before. which was a huge yeah. success. So, yeah. Games are popular, yeah. yo. That's, that's the takeaway <laughs> I think they're just a really um, outside of, I guess, streaming services. It's you know, 
really good uh, bang for buck ratio in terms of entertainment generally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other gaming news that 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 cat caught your fancy? Um, I'm looking at a summary, a, a helpful summary of some of the key things. I'm gonna say sorry. I do not really I mute myself because I sneezed. Um, like my general my general takeaway is Sony might eventually do Game Pass. Consoles still are not available. Everybody at the top of these companies are terrible, except for maybe Phil Spencer. And even then, I would not be surprised if he got milkshake docked the shit out of somebody. Somebody <laughs> milkshake the shit out of him next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um so, like I said, I was looking at, at uh, a, a summary of some of the big gaming news of the year. Google Stadia first party development ends. That was this year. I was reading that. I'm like, was that this year? Turns out it was. It's been a blur, quite honestly. Like I think, I think it's getting really hard to track things like that happening and i think there's i think give it a few years and there's going to be this very like distinct sort of vaseline-esque filter over late 2019 through to whenever we start to come out of this that people will just be like wow that was a really whack couple of years wasn't it yeah absolutely um the whole grand theft auto trilogy release that only happened three weeks ago oh wow that was already was pulled (laughs) I mean, isn't it it's so interesting to me that a company that is has been making profit off these products for so long that initial investment has long been recouped and they are now pure profit mm. and they don't want to spend any money to make any of this stuff worthwhile they want to ride these things till the wheels fall off Right. I mean, and that is again. It's just going back to what we it, talked about before. It is that late stage capitalism. How do you keep making profit? You don't spend any money, and you keep making more and more money off the things you already made. The thing that actually boggles me. I mean, I we had extensive. The, the whole of last episode was about this, and I really think that those initial Grand Theft Auto games were not actually good to begin with. But the thing, like, I mean, whatever company I forgot the name of the developer they like shipped it out to, but it's. No, like they oh, they had a third party that they oh, yeah. um and they gave them like three oh. years or something. It's not like it was developed in a hurry, but the thing I mean, that's more confusing is they're letting. It's not that they were cheap with development because they let them kind of poison the brand. Hmm. Mm. The the thing is though, at no stage was any of this a surprise to Rockstar or Take Two. And I think it's really hilarious that people keep falling for this idea that these giant companies with tens and hundreds of employees and this a high degree of oversight were just confused and confuddled by these smaller developers that they pay to, oh, we had no idea it was going to be this. Yes, you fucking did. Oh, absolutely. You they knew would exactly have... it, was, it was coming out in that state and you didn't care. And they were going to sell three million copies anyway. Yeah, Cyberpunk 2077. You saw those pre-order numbers and you thought, let it ride, baby. I mean, it's easier to it's easier to beg for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Yeah. We're I so mean, sorry that it came out in this state, but we already have your money, so thanks. My issues with Cyberpunk 2077 are completely separate from, you know, the, the, the quality of it. Mm. There's, there's this whole other... I have a whole other bag of issues with Cyberpunk. It was a thoroughly, thoroughly disappointing game for me. Um... Outside of the technical aspects. Outside of the technical aspects. 
um, but, but Grand Theft it's, it's all the yeah. same issue. It's I, just I, no. these huge companies trying to play dumb and say, oh, oh, we had no idea it was in such a sorry state. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So Grand Theft Auto, um, Warcraft 3 Reforged to happen this year too? Mm-hmm. Like, like if you're talking about like, it, it is a thing they know because like if nothing else, there is a trend of things like that happening again and again and again and just this weaponizing nostalgia and knowing that this pre-baked audience will pay money regardless of product quality yeah warcraft reforged i mean thank goodness apparently i didn't play diablo 2 but diablo 2 the resurrected is actually good um by all accounts which is really odd they must be not odd but they must be like on their best behavior for all the terribleness of um, Blizzard, particularly at a corporate level, like they generally have pretty good quality control in their games. It's everything else is. Well, I think that Diablo Warcraft. these days is a much more flagship brand than Warcraft. Not to be confused Possibly. with World of Warcraft, but yep. Warcraft itself. I'm sure it's just all based on projections. They're like, this is how much money this thing will we project it to make. So this is how much we spend on it. And mm. if it's not good at that level of money, too bad because that's how much we'll make back off it. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, that's that's. It's been a weird and depressing year to summarize. I mean, yes. Ultimately, it's been like the whole year seems to be bad. Um, Halo is I good. Say, I wouldn't say bad. <laughs> I just think underwhelming. Like, there have been a couple of games that have come out that I've enjoyed, but I don't think there's been anything this year that I was. But I mean, we're yeah. in a transition year. This happens every single time. 2014 was like this as well. Yeah. There's some I'm really good stuff hidden there, but none of it's at the... Are we really in a transition year, though? Is, I mean... Is, is, is it transition as in because... Generationally, are, yeah. But we're two, but like I said, we're, we're, we're two years in. We're one year in. Has it, didn't yes, they launch in. like late 2019? Low, end of 2020. It's just been such an awful period, Ken. No, it feels are you like serious? it's been two years. <laughs> no, literally. Do you not remember a few podcasts back where the topic was the fact one that episode ago years? It had already been a year since these two, consoles had come actually, out, yeah. and they felt like they'd done oh, bugger all. I can't count either. That is true. That is true. But I thought it was a bit longer than that. No, it's no, been it's two years like and it. a couple of weeks. A one year and a couple. See, now you've got me as well. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, literally by mid-November last year, we had our Xbox Series Xs and our PlayStation 5s, and in that time since, I don't think I've been completely wowed by a game on either of them. Yeah. There's games I've enjoyed, but again, it's, it be- could just be me. Um, you know, I think I'm in a bit of a video gaming funk as yeah. it is, and I'm trying to get my mojo back. No, I think, I mean, that would be it. That would be reasonable to expect not just yourself but just generally across the um across society that generally everybody's in a bit of a funk (laughs) yeah so you know um 2020 y'all 2021 sorry yep exactly (laughs) and this is probably punch out now we're nearly at 2022 and it does not feel much different no um, no. Um, yes. No, it doesn't. And I tell you, I work in a industry 
that is very specifically and directly impacted by border closures and travel. I can tell you there was a level of um, optimism two weeks ago, and that optimism was crushed when Omicron came out. And the Monday after the weekend of that news, like everybody just turned up to work with just like the most defeated looks because everybody was like, okay, lockdowns are coming down, um, travel bans are lifting. December 1st was go date for people coming back to the country. Yeah, it was in sight, Ken. The end was in sight. The end was, was in sight. Snatched and away from snatched. you. Yeah. Um, and then the weekend came up, Omicron news hit, and it's just Monday morning. Like, everybody in my team was just... It's like Groundhog Day. <sighs> Again, one more time. Yeah. So... Like, this all feels very familiar. <laughs> 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 On that cherry note, we'll be wrapping up this episode. <laughs> Quite. So, um, thanks very much, everybody, for joining me today on this episode of the Pixelcast as we review and talk about the year that's been. Uh, Stephen, where can we find you on the internet, and do you have anything to plug? Um, I'm hoping to eventually get this uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five review sorted out um but it's a bit of a slog i'm not gonna lie uh uh at gorath 44000 on twitter and um also at no shelf control um if you want to look at my sparse board game those will those will probably ramp up as i get a bit more time over the holidays and can dig into some more uh board game related stuff um but yeah just play it too i'm i'm hoping that i can convince our uh lovely uh and wise and kind overlord to let me publish the uh board game gift guide um that i wrote mistakenly um thinking that that's what i needed to do for our annual gift guide when it was not but hopefully he'll still let me put it up on the site so you might get to see that (laughs) i think at this stage or not at this stage but users generally like pretty chill and cool with us putting our own interests and passions um so probably <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get to a slow day in the next two weeks and we'll be like alright put it up yeah 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 <laughs> or, you just, or you just put it up you've got admin rights just put it up oh yeah it's still like I'm, I, I would feel you know I still need to run it past the big boss like you said it's better to ask for forgiveness oh yeah <laughs> damn it's better for forgiveness than ask for permission <laughs> Uh, Tim, where can people find you on the internet? And do you have things to plug? I am still at Pretendbeard on Twitter, and I finally got that review of The Good Life out. Oh, I quite liked it, more than most people, I think, actually. (laughs) Possibly because it was actually fixed by the time I got around to writing that review. Um, And I am at PixelHunt on the Twitters, and... Like I said, at the, at the um, first half of the, sh- of the show, I'm working on a review for Bright Memory Infinite, so that will come up and be on the site as and when I'm good and ready. Uh, on that note, thank you very much, everybody. Listen to the podcast. Check out all the good stuff that's on the website, on the YouTube channel, player2.net.au. Thanks very much, and we're out. King of Spruking. King of Spruking strikes again. <laughs> You got to keep doing it. I mean, next time, 
Next time, what we need to do is put the Patreon.